What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. With a returning guest today joining Justin and I, it's Alex Golden from Setting the Pace and the newly created The Blue and Golden uh, coming up on YouTube. And also, he'll be doing some writing on a blog as well. Alex Golden, how are you? I'm doing great, Adam. Thanks so much for having me on. Justin, once again, thank you for reaching out to set this up. And, you know, we're here in the middle of August. There's so much to talk about because the Pacers are just giving us great content at this point. But um, happy to come back on the show and talk with you guys about the blue and gold. Definitely. And it's it's something where you've uh, you guys have been killing it lately, by the way, on setting the pace. You've had several uh, Pacers players on the show, so we encourage you to jump onto your favorite favorite podcast platform and check out Setting the Pace. Um, but it's been a, a pretty quiet off-season. Justin and I did an episode last week where we spoke about the lack of work put in by the front office staff since the Aiton signing. Um, I want to get your take for those of uh, our listeners that haven't heard Setting the Pace on how you see particularly the center spot, because we've spoken about, you know, Turner's in a contract year. We threw a bag at DeAndre Ayton and he was a pacer for about 18 minutes. And it seems like the center spot is in a real state of uh, transformation on this roster. We've got Daniel Tice. We've got Isaiah Jackson potentially playing some center. How do you see this sort of playing out across training camp? Is Turner a goner at this point? Are we going to roll with him and try and trade him for an asset before the All-Star break? I mean, there's there's a lot of risk in losing a guy like that for nothing. Yeah, and I mean, that's the that's a tough spot. The Pacers have kind of put themselves into this corner as well because when you constantly have a guy in trade rumors and, you know, he's playing Nexus a bonus for so long, I mean, they just kind of devalued him a little bit. And, you know... I'm sure there's a lot of Pacer fans out there that would like to see Miles Turner stay with this team long-term. And we've heard from Mike Miles Turner himself, like, you know, he wants to be here long-term. He's never said anything different than that from what I've heard from his side of things. I mean, Michael Scotto, he came on our show. He does a great job covering the NBA for Hoopside. And he was like, no, like Turner wants to develop this relationship with Halliburton. And then he, you know, reaffirmed that just a couple of weeks ago. And as a lot of people know, Bob Kravitz uh, for The Athletic came on our show and kind of said that, you know, Turner doesn't want to be here. And I'm, and I'm sure that caused some friction. And Turner responded and said that that was cap. That's not true. And yeah. so I just look at it from this way. I think that Kravitz is getting all of his information from Kevin Pritchard and the Pacers, where it just feels like they can't come to an agreement on what a deal should be like. And I think Turner still wants to be here. But I also can see why he doesn't want to be here. So you're right. This is a very tough spot for him and what he should be looking forward to. But at the same time, he's a professional. Like you said, an expiring contract. The Pacers can't lose him for nothing. So if he's not traded by the deadline, then he's going to have been extended, in my opinion. If they let it go all the way to the end of the season and don't make a decision on either thing, I'd be completely shocked by that. So personally for me, I think that it makes sense to let Turner kind of like recoup some of that value that he has by being that solo center by showcasing what he can be and if you feel like long term he's still not the right player for you moving forward trade him by all means but if he actually does click with Halliburton and you really believe in him moving forward he's only 26 years old so it wouldn't be the worst thing if he's a part of this team's future but like I said have they burned too many bridges and I think the Aiden thing could have been the final straw 
like kind of burned all the bridges there to come to an agreement on an extension. But I guess we'll have to just see how this all plays out because it's it's probably the most interesting thing about the Pacers this entire season. Yeah, that's really true, Alex. And I guess I've always been from the standpoint, it's great to have players who the Pacers have drafted, stick with the team, kind of like, you know, your Reggie Millers who played 18 years with the Pacers. The Miles Turner is, you know, the longest tenured Pacers, so it'd be great to keep him. But at some point, if you go, hey, we're going to lose him for nothing, we have to make that deal. We're... Got a little prediction thing for you. Um, who would you say, if you, it's a wild guess at this point, I guess, but who would you say game 82 of the season, if the Pacers aren't trying to lose, who is playing that centre spot? Oh, to start the season? No, to finish it. Who's, oh. who's the finishing centre team? <laughs> if they're trying to lose, that's a tough one, man. I, if they're not trying to lose. Not, I mean, good grief. I mean, I guess Goga, because they played Goga a lot last year toward the season when Miles was out. Um, I don't know. It, it's tough to say because, like you talked about it, they got Tice, they have Goga, they've got Miles, they got Isaiah Jackson. I mean, Jalen Smith can play the five as well. That's a tough question because it's just like if Turner is traded, like who did you get back in return? Um, if you're trying to win, maybe you want to see what Isaiah Jackson looks like out there with that core uh, that core five of Mather and him, Jalen Smith. Halliburton and Duarte that's a five I'm really excited to kind of see as well so I, I would say Isaiah uh, makes the most sense if you're trying to develop and and look at the future of the team but if you're trying to like have that legit rim protector that's more like like a Miles Turner may, maybe Goga but at the same time I mean it depends who do you think is a better rim protector Isaiah Jackson or Goga at this point and I, I'm just curious to see what Goga's role is going to be this year because there's a lot of centers on this team. And once again, you just don't really know where he falls on that depth chart. I, I just can't see Goga getting too much of an opportunity. I, I feel like they picked up his option, but he just hasn't showed anything in any of his first three seasons. His best game was, if I'm not mistaken, he had a really good game against Golden State in that win against Golden State. I think he had some good minutes and then fouled out. Uh, and the only really positive memory I had from have about Goga apart from that was either his 2020s he was putting up in the G League or that really great quarter that he had in his very, very first preseason game against Minnesota where I think he scored something like 15 points in a quarter and then got cooked by Carl Anthony Towns in the fourth. And he just hasn't really shown much. I mean, it's clear that the Pacers want to feature Isaiah Jackson. He was featured in Summer League. He looked good. The I think he was drafted as a four, though. But with Jalen Smith, you, you have to think that they're considering those two as potentially their front court of the future. I mean, they can, you know, stretch the floor. Isaiah Jackson's obviously a good, an athletic shot blocker. But I'm interested in something you said there about Halliburton, Matherin, and, and Duarte being in that sort of starting lineup. It, it seems like the Pacers are kind of committed to three guard lineups because Buddy played most of his uh, career in the Pacers at small forward last season. Uh, are the Pacers a little small at the moment? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's obvious. The only real small forward on the current roster right now is O'Shea Brissett. Yeah, he's <laughs> so, played power forward a lot you know, of the time. I know, and that's the thing. So, like, I mean, with modern basketball, I guess you don't really have to have a bunch of yeah. small forward-type players, but that is kind of the key to what a lot of winning teams have, and that's 
those Mikel Bridge types, you know, Mikel Bridges, the, the Jay Routers, you know, uh, the Reggie Bullock, like those kind of guys that you are legit three and D where, you know, we got, the, we got the three with Buddy Hill, but we ain't got the D. So, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like the Pacers have a lot of two guards, but I, I do want to go back to go-go real quick because okay. it's kind of a fresh topic for us. Uh, did you have something else you want to add, Adam? I, I just wanted to say, I, I just haven't seen it. I, I'm interested in in your take on go-go because I, you may know I bought a Goga jersey in his rookie year. I was the, I'm the only person in the Southern Hemisphere of the world to have a Goga Batatse jersey, but I just <laughs> it's it's frustrating to me because he's got size. He you know he can stretch the floor potentially. He's obviously got the rebounding and shot blocking ability, but he just hasn't been able to put together the basketball IQ that he needs to be able to stay out there for long stretches. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that. I think that part of his problem is he didn't have a lot of time to develop. And you mentioned it, like the 2020 games in the G League. Like, yeah, he's too good for the G League, but he's not like good enough to be a rotational guy every single night right now at the point. He needs that time to develop. And I think we saw him develop quite a bit at the end of last season, just taking baby steps in his growth. Um, one of the games that he really did play well in was on the road against the Rockets. I know the Rockets were a team that was losing as well, and they didn't really have a great center presence, but I think Guga had a double-double on that game and played pretty well. So, you know, I, I think that there's a couple things you can look at here with Goga. Like you mentioned, they did pick up his rookie option for this year. And secondly, when they were trying to go after Aiton, they never traded him. And I thought that was the more likely scenario than waving stretching these three guys got in the Celtics trade that were never going to be a part of the team. So, you know, waving and stretching, stretching them isn't that big of a deal, but over three years, just having that money on your con- on your books for the next three years is a little bit surprising. I mean, I'm just surprised that they did it to a certain degree, but it would have made more sense to trade good and create that cap space. And a team that I thought would have made a lot of sense was a team like the Spurs who have a ton of cap space to add another international big. And I thought he would have thrive there with Greg Popovich but no I mean I, I think at the end of the day Goga's just going to be fighting for minutes and it would not surprise me I mean we saw Tristan Thompson get minutes last year when he was traded for in that Kings Pacers trade if Daniel Tice is his roster it would not surprise me if Carlisle for some reason gives him minutes over Goga I, I know that sounds weird but it wouldn't shock me and I also think that while Isaiah Jackson can play the five I think they're very interested to see him playing the four, uh, especially next to Miles. I think they would like to see that, and they'll probably experiment with that more than I think Pacer fans are probably expecting because we know that Isaiah Jackson is supposed to be like a good defender, and I still think he's a work in progress in, but um, I think it would be cool to see him and Turner playing together because both of them you know, are pretty good shot blockers. And I think he would have a better chance of guarding those, you know, power forwards out there on the perimeter than Miles would just based on uh, overall quickness out there uh, on defense. But no, I mean, you're right, though. Goga, my goodness, like it's it's it could be his last year here. And there's no doubt about that. But I think with him being in a contract year, he's going to be aiming to prove himself and prove that he's worthy to stick around, not just with the Pacers, but in the league period. So that's that's kind of where kind of where I'm at with Goga. Yeah, it's great to get your opinion on that, Alex. And someone else I want to get your opinion on is a player who had some highlights posted, even yourself posted it, Chris Duarte, um, played for the national team and played very well, scored 29 points. I think he hit seven three-pointers and, you know, all the comparisons to Clay Thompson today really came out. He looked 
fantastic. And just want to get your thoughts on on Duarte and kind of where he sits with the team. He's, he's really in a really interesting spot. Obviously, he's got that toe injury. Not sure how serious it is, but um, do you foresee him starting over Buddy Hield if, if Hield remains a pacer? Or is Duarte maybe a long-term pacer's six-man coming off the bench, adding that scoring punch, which I've always said paces like a scoring punch off the bench. What's your thoughts? Mm, that's a good one. That's a been, that's been a debate that we've had on the show as well. And I kind of feel like if they're trying to get Buddy's value up, um, Buddy likes to start. Do you want to ruffle the feathers by bringing him off the bench? And I've always kind of come back to like, he's got the chemistry with Halliburton. He's a really good shooter, probably more of a playmaker, I guess, than Duarte, but I, I'm not like sold on that. I would have to watch more film actually from both of them to really, you know, boldly state that <laughs> and feel confident in it. But you know, we saw him, you know, with the ball in his hands a little bit more as a playmaker, and he really liked it. So for me personally, I think you should start Duarte because if you feel like he's a part of your future, then start him. But I understand your point as well. If he's going to be that long-term six-man, get him in that role as early as possible so he gets comfortable with it, and hopefully he can adapt. Because I think it was last year he even said he liked starting more than coming off the bench, and, and that was Duarte I'm talking about. So personally for me, I want him to start next to Mather and, and Halliburton. I think it makes the most sense moving forward because of your trying of your development purposes. But at the same time, I, I always go back to are they trying to increase Buddy's value? And the best way to do that would be to start him because if he's efficient and plays well as a starter, you could potentially get a first round pick for him in a trade. Not sure how good it's going to be, but his contract is decreasing. Um, over the next year or so, uh, the next two years. So it's going to be less money next year when the team does trade for him. So I, I think that he could, you know, have some value, but I'm just curious, you know, will the Pacers succumb to that Lakers deal eventually to help them out to get some picks and maybe some buddy there? So I, I, I don't have any idea how, how truthful that is, but I think overall, um, if I'm looking at the team, I would start Duarte, bring Buddy off the bench, and just deal with it from there. I mean, look, uh, that's a very defensible position, and ultimately, Buddy is a professional. He's come off the bench the majority of his Sacramento career, so it didn't hurt his trade value then. I don't think it's going to hurt his trade value now to come off the bench. My, my only concern with starting Duarte is, is that going to be your starting lineup in, you know, when – Dwight's rookie contract comes to an end because if you need him to be your six man, because ultimately are you going to, you know, are you going to contend or are you going to be a playoff team playing three guys of six feet, six and under um, in your backcourt? You're going to have to have a very long athletic front court, which Jalen Smith and, and Isaiah Jackson could very well be if that's the way that they go. And if all five of those players develop uh, and have a, a, a great tra- trajectory, then who cares uh, yeah. how tall they are because they're going to be great anyway. But it it feels like drafting a shooting guard two years in a row, one of those shooting guards is going to come off the bench. And, I mean, Justin, you you predicted that by the end of his rookie deal, Matherin would be the best pacer or, or the best player on the roster, better than Halliburton in the last show. And I predicted that Halliburton is going to make the all-star team this year. So we'll get to that in a moment. But... It's it's a real conundrum that the Pacers have, and and you you framed it perfectly. Is it development or is it fit? Um, and I think 
if you're not trying to win a championship, if you're not trying to make the playoffs, and let's face it, the Pacers aren't trying to do either of those things this season. If they are, they're delusional, and I, I believe they're not. It, it serves you well to give those three guys as many minutes together as possible, right? Because either you, you know, uh, gain trade value with Duarte because you're probably not trading the other two guys, or alternatively, you develop a lineup that is sustainable for many years to come. So um, I'm never going to be opposed to giving the young guys minutes in a season that you're looking to not tank, and tank's a very strong word, but a development season, I think it's probably fair to call this, right, Justin? Like it, it's not a... We're not a playoff team. We're not a contender. We're nowhere near that. So it has to be all about getting these players to where they need to be in order to become that. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. With two weeks left in the NFL preseason, there's plenty of opportunities to bet on the Colts against the Lions and then the Bucks. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Well, yeah, definitely. I feel like, you know, we've got to put time into the rookies. And I feel like the paces will. They've seen a big shift and. You'd even agree, Alex, there's been a big shift in the whole franchise with how they're running things with, you know, going after DeAndre Ayton and kind of rebuilding and saying it's a rebuild, whereas years ago, you know, fans would get upset with Herb Simon saying, um, you know, we've got a competitive little team and we're going to push for the play-in playoffs. I feel like the Pacers know they're not going to be in the play-in tournament this year. It's a, it's a long rebuild, but... I guess also I want to get your thoughts on on Benedict Matherin. I, I'm really high on him, and trust me, coming from a Pacer fan for 22 years, I'm not extremely high on every person that every player they draft. I'm usually a bit skeptical between them, but I, I'm extremely high on Matherin. I, I love what I saw in the summer league, and I feel like he can blossom into a star. Do you? What's the feeling around Indiana? Do do people have that same optimism, or people just think he's going to be you know a decent player in the NBA? Yeah, that's a good question. I think for me personally, when it comes to Matherin, I don't know if like superstar really feels like what he can become, but hey, I don't want to put a limit on what he can become, right? That's just silly. But if I was projecting, I I, I could definitely see him being an all-star. I, I just got to see a little bit more on-ball creation from him. I think he's better getting, you know, getting looks based off of creation, which is going to be great because Halliburton's so good at that and it's going to get him, you know, better looks. But I, I need to see more development on the on-ball creation side of him because there are some times where I, I just kind of watch him in summer league a little bit, even sometimes at Arizona, where he did struggle with that a little bit. So that to me is the big thing he's going to have to work on to become that guy. But um, we had Derek Murray on who uh, covers the NBA draft for basketballnews.com and he does a great job covering the covering the NBA draft, and he even brought up Matherin as a guy that he really liked for the Pacers and thought he's a you know a really great guy, and he's going to be a guy that is able to defend you know 
threes because that's just the the mentality that he plays with like size doesn't matter to him and and, and he's so strong up top that he's going to be able to be competitive enough to guard uh some small forwards now maybe not the bigger ones like you know six foot eight nine paul george or someone like that but you know he's going to be the pacers best bet to guard someone like that but no i i think he projected um matherin to be more of a guy that's like that that B level guy, which we've all talked about, we have the B level guys on this team. We haven't had that alpha male, that A level player. So um, I think Matherin has the alpha male mentality. So that could help him get to that as well. But I also think you know you talked about this a little bit, Adam. The Pacers drafted two shooting guards in back to back drafts. You're not going to start them both well. Um, like you said they only have one small forward on the roster and O'Shea Brissett, and that's a guy that didn't give an extension to. So you have to wonder, like, I agree with you, give Duarte, Matherin, and Halliburton as many minutes together as you can because you never know who you're going to get in the upcoming draft, even if it is a small forward or a shooting guard again to put in that starting lineup because, you know, you're going to probably give another top five pick again. You want to make sure you get those guys as many minutes together to see what you have long-term in this developmental season. So uh, obviously the prize is Victor Wimbenyama at that power forward center position, whatever he plays, but there's a lot of guys that could be a, a three that the Pacers have needed for a while in this draft class that will probably start once they're drafted next to Matherin and Halliburton. And then like you talked about, Justin Duarte will come off the bench. So I, I just think that right now though, you're trying to develop, get as much chemistry uh, together as you can develop as much chemistry as possible. And personally, I, I think that's not a bad idea, but overall it's, it's just going to take some growth from Matherin though uh, in this season to really solidify himself. I don't know if he's going to be the best player after this year, Justin, that's a pretty hot take, but uh, maybe in three years, I, I could potentially see that, but I hope that that's not the case. And I'm hoping that whoever they draft in this upcoming 2023 draft, uh, is that guy because they need that guy desperately. Let's talk about it in three years because one of the things that I raised on the last episode was the possibility of a max salary backcourt. I mean, salaries are going to go up significantly with a new TV deal over the next few seasons as well. Who knows what a max salary will look like in three seasons when Benedict Matherin is eligible for an extension but I've put to to the listeners, I've put to Justin that the Pacers could be staring down a $400 million backcourt in just three years. And the cap room that they have now, about $33 million, and with more to come next year with, with Miles Turner coming off the books is significant. And you have to use that cap room before it's eaten up with these contracts. So... Do you agree that, you know, that's a possi- a distinct possibility and not just a possibility, but but likely that we have at least Halliburton under a max deal, if not Ma- uh, Halliburton and Matherin? And how would you how would you leverage the cap space over the next couple of years in order to surround those guys with existing talent? that's under those longer term contracts so that we don't have a, you know, a luxury tax crunch as soon as we sign these guys to, you know, maximum long-term extensions. Yeah. That's going to be a tough thing. I mean, I, I definitely would anticipate Halliburton getting the max, um, the rookie max scale, whatever that's going to be. I think after this season, right. He's eligible for it. Yep. So yep. that'd be, that'd be something to keep an eye on for sure. Obviously Matherin and 
three years, he would be eligible for it. But at that point, who knows what the cap's going to be? I mean, I think at one point, Damian Lillard is going to be making $55 million a year uh, <laughs> on that super max. I mean, it's just, you're just talking ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah. So yeah, I, I really, I really have a hard time projecting. I'm not, I'm not the cap guy. That'd be my, our guy, Tony East. <laughs> I mean, yes. uh, he, he's got a much better understanding and, uh, you know, much better understanding of the cap overall. You know, Matherin could be a max guy. I, I hope he is because that means he's developed into that type of player. But I would be surprised if Jalen Smith becomes that kind of a guy. I would be surprised if Ajax, Duarte, really anybody else on the roster. Those are the only two I can worthy of that. So at that point, you're hoping the other guy roster um, develop well, play really well on this team, and you're able to use friendly team contracts to get them back, uh, you know, on relatively fair deals. Not cheap, but fair deals. Um, not sure what that's going to be like because I don't know what the cap's going to be like, but I think there's a good way. Like they can look at this roster and look at the balance of it. But once again, you have to look at all the draft picks that they have in this upcoming year in 2023. So if they potentially have three picks and maybe more, they're able to add a few more guys to their core. And hopefully in two years, those guys have developed and they're on cheap contracts. So that to me is like the, the big thing that's nice about having multiple draft picks right now. Yeah is being able to acquire young talent in what is considered a loaded draft class to develop. And hopefully you have those cheaper contracts. Like that's why I was huge on going after Aiton right now, because nobody's on a max deal. Even if you have Halliburton on a max deal after this year, the cap's going up and you probably have your two best players, him and Aiton, Halliburton and Aiton on max deals, which I don't have a problem with. But, you know, when you're talking about three to four guys having max deals, it's, it gets kind of crazy. But at that point, you're hoping if the Pacers feel like these guys are max level, that they're able to really be competitive in the playoffs. And, and that's going to come down to because, like, for example, like if Mern's really good, but he's only averaging like 18 points a game, you know, like six rebounds and like four assists, like those are good numbers, but they're not max level numbers. So maybe they get him on a, on a good, but it's not a full max. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like a leather scale. At the end of the day, you see guys like Tobias Harris get maxed out on, on, on his contracts, and you're thinking, that guy's not worth it. Okay, but the way money talks right now, it's really hard to envision, you know, some of these players that are probably in, like, the 20 to 30 range that are getting these max-level deals. Uh, you know, it's hard to, to visualize, like, guys like that getting them compared to guys in, like, the 40 to 50 range who are getting them and the guys that are in, the, like, the 10 to 20 range getting them. So – it's just stuff. I don't have a problem with it as long as the Pacers spend their money wisely, get the right roster to to build a, a contending team. It ain't my money, so I don't care. Just do what you got to do to build the best team possible. And if you have to go into the tag, do it. They've been changing their stance on pretty much everything else. You have to wonder if they'd be willing to pay the tax if it meant to keep some of these young core pieces around for that time when they are trying to be really competitive for the playoffs. And there's the opportunity as well coming into this free agency to copy what you did last free agency and offer some restricted free agents. I mean, there are some really good young players like RJ Barrett that don't have long-term extensions. Cam Reddish being another, Cam Johnson. You know, the the Pacers are in an aggressive position to be able to start to offer some of these guys that are restricted free agents, longer term contracts and large extensions and maybe overpay and force teams into a tough decision. PJ Washington being another that's always been linked to Miles Turner by trade. So, you know, there's the possibility to maybe pay 
um, 20% more than you otherwise would if they were unrestricted free agents and force these teams either to crunch their own cap and, and be in a worse position or alternatively uh, get a guy that you may not have been able to get previously. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I, I'm interested to see what they do with all this cap space because it sounds great in theory, but they got to go out there and do something about it. I mean, I love the idea of going after a Cam Johnson from Phoenix. I, I think once again, just swooping in there and maybe getting the guy from Phoenix away from them would be hilarious. And especially yeah. after all the, the, the Suns fans on Twitter making some big deal about them getting Dwayne Washington Jr. It's like, come on. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it took us signing eight and to max to, to get you guys to fork up the money. And how did that help your relationship? It didn't. So whatever. I mean, obviously, like you talked about with drafting another shooting guard, like Washington had a puncher's chance of being in the rotation. Uh, obviously it was going to be close to being on the roster. I mean, good shooter, but he's got some other areas to improve on, but I like the idea of going after an RJ Barrett, guys like that. I mean, it's it's really interesting because personally for me, I, I really would like to see them add some more wing depth. And P.J. Washington is a guy that fits that mold. And I, I don't know if he'd be available or not, but you have to you have to think that Charlotte probably does offer him some kind of extension with the likelihood of Miles Bridges not being there long term. I just I have no idea what this Hornets team's going to look like this year because they've got um some big holes now without miles bridges on the roster so um but yeah i i think the pacers really have to be aggressive in free agency and go out there and try to get some guys that they maybe haven't before and uh going out restricted free i don't have a problem with that i don't think the team does uh as well or they or they're a little bit more open to it now but um it's, it's gonna be tough because they they are going to have some competition. I think they're supposed to be 15 teams in the actual league next year that are going to have decent, you know, to, to really good cap space. And it's going to be hard to compete with that when you're a team that's picking top five more than likely in the draft. For sure. That's, um, that's really interesting. And we'll, we'll wrap it up shortly. We'll finish up a quick round table. Um, I know sometimes guys are in I reckon we'll do a round robin. Uh, always good to hear people's NBA thoughts, not just the Indiana Pacers. I always like hearing NBA kind of takes and knowledge and everything like that. So we'll go around the table, uh, maybe start with Alex, Adam, and finish on myself and go through the NBA awards. Um, who we think is going to win MVP first. So, Alex, you want to start us off? Who is going to be the 2022-2023 oh, NBA MVP? Can I make these unofficial because I haven't even thought two things about <laughs> this yet? Yeah, it's just in your first reactions. First reaction. Okay. I'll say Joel Embiid wins it this year. Ooh. Nice. Adam? Going to go with Luca. It's Luca's year. Luca. I'm going to go Giannis again. Yeah. Giannis. What about uh, most improved player? Tyrese Halliburton's second favorite for this award, Alex. So is he your pick? Yeah, I mean, I'll stick with the hometown guy, right? I mean, Indiana has done a good job of winning that award in previous years, too. So, yeah, let's go with Halliburton. I've said he's going to be an all-star. So, yes, it's Tyrese. I'm going with Anthony Edwards. I think he's going to go on the same path as Morant last year. Good player to all-star. Minnesota's going to get into the playoffs and go deep. So, I think Edwards is going to go into a superstar now. Um, 
I, I hate that though. I'm not gonna lie. I hate when a guy is like an MVP candidate and they win most yeah. improved. Like that's just silly to me. I agree. I, I feel like Moran shouldn't have won most improved last year. He was probably top five in MVP ranking. So that's not yeah. most improved. Most improved should be a you know a role player who's turned into an all-star. Um, yeah. you know, the yeah. paces have dealt with Danny Granger, Paul George, Old Depot, Jermaine O'Neill, those type of most improves, but yeah, I, I do agree. Um, we'll go maybe two more. We'll go defensive player of the year. Oh man, I have no idea on this one. Uh, uh, I'll just I'll just go with Bam Adebayo. I, I I felt like he's been close. He's not been able to stay healthy, but I think he's a really good defensive player. I'll, I'll go Bam, but I could see Gobert getting it, just because I think Minnesota is going to be surprisingly better than a lot of people expect. Going with Giannis, uh, I'll go with the easy pick. Um, I think, you know, he's just impossible to to get past. So it's Giannis for me. I, I actually hate this pick, but I'm going to go with Rudy Gobert just because I feel like he's on, a new, he's on a new team and I feel like Minnesota are going to go really, really well. And they'll all say, you know, Rudy Gobert's new presence with Minnesota will be a big reason for that. Um, we'll go last one. Um, we'll Got go... Got to be rookie, doesn't Sorry. it? Got to be rookie. Yeah, rookie of the year. Rookie of the year, Alex. Oh, Paulo Boncaro, hands down. I think he's the best rookie in this class by a long shot. And uh, I think he's going to have a chance to really shine in Orlando. Uh, they're going to give him the ball a lot, and I think he's going to be relied upon to help them out a ton. So I'm going Paulo here. Orlando drafted a grown man. They didn't draft a you know a kid that uh, that requires a lot of development. I'm I'm a hundred percent on board with that. Alex Paolo Banquero yeah. is going to be he's going to be a special player. And as much as I'd like to say Mather, and I I just think Paolo is <laughs> going to you know he's going to put up significant numbers and and he's going to eventually be a difference maker. Interesting. Well, we can't make it three for three, so I'll just go with someone else. I will go for how well I've said Matherin's going to be the best pacer in a few years, so I'm going to run with that. Don't know. I feel like let's go Matherin, rookie of the year. Um, not sure he'll get the media hype or the wins to back it up, but let's just go with him. Let's hope he explodes and averages uh, 20 points this year, right? Love who to. Do you, who do you, let me ask you this Who do you guys think will be the second? closest to winning it if we both think it's if we all really think it's Paolo yeah uh for me I would probably say Keegan Murray out yeah. of everybody I, I mean he's the most he ready really made in the summer league what he's the most ready made I, I look I yeah. I have a I had to stop myself from saying Jaden Ivey just because we can never have nice things as Pacer fans um but yeah <laughs> I feel like Keegan's kind of been overlooked he's he's gonna get the opportunity in Sacramento and he's um you know he complements those players quite well because he does a little bit of everything. So um, Sacramento are really going to push it this season. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say real quick, sorry. I just feel like with Jaden Ivey, how much will he have an impact? I mean, he's going to have an impact, don't get me wrong, but like with Cade kind of being the leader of that team, he's not going to be that alpha male. So he's going to be taking a backseat. And I know that Keegan Murray will be too, but at the same time, I think Keegan's defense will definitely help him, especially if the Kings can get back into the playoffs or even the play-in game. Like that would be huge for that team. And I think if he's a, a big part of that, then I can see people giving him the nod there because I think he's a pretty good player, even though a lot of Pacer fans were not the highest on him as a potential draft pick. A yeah, lot of a lot of these interesting, Alex, and I would 
we were talking before the draft around Jay Ivey and I, I shared a source with you saying Pacers wanted Ivy and that was 100% true. I think in the end, they just didn't want to trade all the assets to the Kings to get him. But um, I did like what I saw from Ivy um, for the Detroit Pistons in the Summer League. So that'll be interesting. Just quickly wrap up. How was, I know you were at the draft party. Was there a big contingent of fans that were upset we didn't get Ivy? I know we've moved on to Matherin now, but what, what are the feelings towards Ivy and Matherin in, in the state of Indiana? Yeah, so I actually wasn't at the draft party. I was um I was at uh, a local restaurant, not really local, but it's called El Emporium and it's uh in, in Greenwood, Indiana. I was with some buddies right. watching it. And uh everybody there seemed pretty excited about it. I, I guess the, the I guess the people at the draft party thought it was a a pretty a pretty good pick. I mean, I, I haven't really heard anybody bash the pick of Matherin. So at that point, Ivy was off the board, Keith Murray was off the board. It was really down to like uh Dyson Daniels and uh, Jaden Sharp and, and Johnny Davis and Benedict Matherin. I mean, if they would have taken any of the other three guys aside of math, I would have probably been pretty upset. So uh, I think Matherin was the perfect pick at six. And I don't really think that they could have gone, uh, they couldn't have got a better pick there out of all the players that were left on the board, in my opinion. I think we can all agree that we're really looking forward to seeing Benedict Matherin be a pacer for the next probably at least seven to ten seasons uh, and beyond. He's got a very bright future in Indiana and seems to be uh, really embracing the franchise. Alex Golden, you can find him on Setting the Pace, uh, the podcast available on all podcast platforms. He, You can also find him coming up on his new YouTube show and blog, the blue and golden on Twitter at Alex golden NBA, Alex golden. Thank you so much for being on the pace ruse once again. Absolutely guys. And I, I owe it to you. Maybe I can get you guys on the blue and golden so we can uh, have you guys on there a little bit and, and just have another round table discussion about the Pacers and the NBA. That'd be a lot of fun. Perfect. And thanks for listening to the pace ruse.